It is 5.09. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Welcome to the program. Uh, Let's get into the Comey questions right out of the gate. And I got a suspicion, and it is shared... Uh, With some legal analysts, including Michael Zeldin, who used to work for Bob Mueller, he's now a CNN analyst, and and I tend to agree with him on this. Uh, For those of you who haven't heard yet, if you catch up to speed on this, the uh, Comey investigator, the Mueller investigators, rather, they have sent to President Trump 40 questions. Uh, that relate to James Comey and Paul Manafort and Russia and a lot of questions about collusion and the president's thought processes. See, they're they're very clearly, it appears to me, they don't have enough information to establish a motive for the president to have colluded with the Russians or obstructed justice. And it seems more and more to me that you've got this entire media narrative that the Mueller investigators had moved on from collusion to obstruction. And it's very clear from these questions, 40 of them, uh, that uh, they're still looking at collusion. So it makes you wonder about the sources uh, beforehand. Now, listen, I do need to tell you this, and this is not a partisan point, although I know some of you will take it that way because we live in sensitive times. But if you ask reporters at Fox or CNN or NBC, or ABC, or the Wall Street Journal, or the New York Times, or you name it, they will all tell you the same thing, that most of the leaks, if not all of the leaks, come from people outside of the Mueller investigation. The Mueller team doesn't leak. Most of the leaks come from people close to the president. That is, if you ask the reporters at Fox who follow this beat, they will tell you that. At CNN, they will tell you that. At the Wall Street Journal, they will tell you that. Pick a conservative or liberal outlet, and they will all tell you that. Um, that, by and large, the leaks come. But I, I the reason I, I tell you that is, is not to make a point that this is or is not the president leaking. It's that I, as a former lawyer who used to, I was actually one of the things that I excelled at was writing requests for production of documents and interrogatories. Um, For those of you who don't know, in a legal process, when you file a lawsuit or you're answering a lawsuit, uh, you file what are called interrogatories and requests for production of documents. That is, there are a series of questions that you want to file and have the other side answer, and there are a number of there are documents you want the other side to answer. And I had a a great template that I developed over the years as a lawyer, where we always, when we filed a lawsuit, we always asked these particular things. We always sought these particular types of documents. Uh, now, in in a lot of court cases, I know in federal courts and under the rules of civil procedure, there are interrogatories and and requests for production of documents that are automatic as, as filing the lawsuit. It comes with them because everybody asked them every time. So they just kind of put them in together. And and so you do this. And these are interrogatories. They are questions for the president. And I just I want to focus on one to make a point that you need to understand what I'm to highlight the point I'm trying to to make to you. I want to focus on one of the interrogatories sent to the president. One of the questions. I'm going to read it to you as printed in The New York Times. And then I, let's let me break it down for you. 
During the campaign, what did you know about Russian hacking, use of social media, or other acts aimed at the campaign? And now I'm going to read it again and, and follow along with me here. During the campaign, comma, what did you know about Russian hacking, comma, use of social media, or other acts aimed at the campaign, question mark. I think the punctuation, you, you need that to get the, the gist of this question. And the reason I say that is because this doesn't read like a question that a lawyer would ask, particularly not a lawyer as proficient as one of the ones on the Mueller investigation team. What it reads like is someone's summation of the question. Because if you were going to ask this question and you were a lawyer and you were trying to get information, you would ask it a little more in detail during the campaign, comma, what did you know about hacking by the Russians or any related entities or any entities you suspected might be related? The use, their use, not use of, but their use of social media, including but not limited to Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, you name Instagram, you name it, or other acts on the internet or off the internet targeted at the Trump for President campaign or directed toward opponents of the Trump for president campaign, including critics of president Trump. You would ask it much more in detail because you would want to me, you wouldn't want to leave any nuance. Out. That's why, yeah, I, I go through these questions and I'm reading these questions and these aren't questions that would be asked by a, a legal team conducting an investigation. This is a reflection of someone looking at the questions and summarizing them to the New York Times. And that, again, is why I think that this is not a, a, a leak from the Mueller team, because I think if it was a leak from the Mueller team, that you would probably have the actual questions. This appears to be a leak from someone outside the Mueller team who has knowledge of what they are doing. And so the question is, is it from the, the president's side? If you ask reporters, and I bring up Fox specifically because I know Fox is a trusted outlet among conservatives, and even the reporters there acknowledge that oftentimes it's the president's team leaking this information. Uh, and it, the, one of the reasons for these leaks is to help shape the president's thinking so that the president can communicate with others on social media or whatnot and, and transmit his message uh, so that people gather and, and understand what he's thinking. Uh, the president today blasting the leaks on social media, but he, I'm just, I don't think, I mean, y'all, I, I did this for six years for a living and was really good at this portion of litigation. And this is not something that, these are not the sorts of questions. Um, that we, I mean, for example, here, here, here's one. Uh, here's another question. What was your reaction to news reports on January 12, 2017 and February 8 to 9 of 2017? You, you wouldn't ask that question as a lawyer. This is a summation. You would have referenced what news reports you're trying to get information about because, I mean, what do you expect him to say? What was your reaction to the news reports on January 12, 2017? 
Well, I was actually surprised it was colder that day than the weather man suggested two days prior. I mean, that's a legitimate answer to that question because you haven't listed the news reports uh, to which your information. So this was a summary. And if it's a summary, it wouldn't have come from the Mueller team. It would have come from someone else. But we can gather from the summation of what they're looking at. They're still looking at the collusion stuff. They're looking at the collusion information, and I gather from these questions, Andy McCarthy at National Review makes this point, having reviewed these questions. He, by the way, I think also agrees that this is probably a summary, not the actual questions. Uh, and he makes a very good point that this sounds like the Mueller team is trying to wind up their investigation. And the way they're trying to, to wind it up is to do a report showing Congress and the DOJ they got their money's worth by producing a report that doesn't indict the president or recommend an indicting of the president, but tries to suggest that the president's judgment is not sound. So he can satisfy, scratch the itch of liberals who say the president doesn't have bad judgment, but also avoid anything that would actually lead to the prosecution or impeachment of the president. So it'll give Democrats ammunition in 2020 without impeaching the president. That, that seems right to me. Based on these questions, um, it, it's real hard, I think, to impeach the president um, with some of these questions that are just trying to get his state of mind. And his lawyers, if they transmit them back in writing, uh, they're going to give very nuanced legal answers, legalese answers. So I think this is more for building the report than looking at indicting the president. It sounds to me like the Mueller investigators have, in fact, found that there was no collusion and they're just now going through the motions to wrap up the report, and that includes needing to talk to the president. But if they can make him look bad, I bet they'll try to do it. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I've been using it for a while. Uh, the truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enamel in your teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. You can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5 including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week I think uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. 
and really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, but yet when they sent me the new brush head, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. It is 26 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson here on WSB. Now, when we come back, we got to talk about the Brian Kemp ad. He wasn't pointing the gun at anybody, but liberals are demanding a safe space from the TV ad. This is going to help him get in the runoff. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Y'all... The left needs a safe space from Brian Kemp's latest television ad. This has become a national story that liberals are upset, like really so upset they've been calling Atlanta TV stations, demanding that the that the TV stations take down Brian Kemp's latest ad because it has guns in it. Guns, guns, guns. Listen to this ad. I'm Brian Kemp. This is Jake, young man interested in one of my daughters. Yes, sir. Jake asked why I was running for governor. I said one. Cap government spending. Two. Take a chainsaw to regulations. Three. Make Georgia number one for small business. And two things if you're going to date one of my daughters. Respect. And? A healthy appreciation for the Second Amendment, sir. We're going to get along just fine. Brian Kemp for governor. Now, what they get so upset about is, so Kemp has his double-barrel shotgun. He's cleaning it. And then when he puts it back together, you hear the snap, and they think, he's pointing it at a teenager. If you actually watch the commercial, and, and apparently liberals see the guns, and they pass out and faint, and they can't actually get to the end of the commercial, he's not actually pointing it at the kid, and it's unloaded. You're never supposed to point a gun at anyone, but he doesn't actually point the gun at the kid. You can see the ad for yourself. He's not pointing it at the kid. But oh my goodness, they're claiming that he's pointing the gun. This is the, this is going to get him in the runoff is what it's going to do. And I see national reporters saying that was the intention of this ad. And I'm, I've been telling them that's not really the intention of this ad. The intention of this ad is to push back against uh, Casey Cagle, who had the Delta versus NRA fight and, and the Delta tax cut issue. And so Kemp is now grabbing territory with this advertisement. I like the ad, and I think most people do uh, like the ad. Uh, it, it was it kind of funny. I was at the Kegel event yesterday here in Macon, and a local banker was was talking to one of the Kegel people about how much he liked the ad, and, and the Kegel guy was saying, well... You know, I, I expect somebody's going to push back for it looking like he was pointing the gun at the kid at the end. And, and sure enough, 
liberals across Atlanta are calling all the TV stations in Atlanta demanding the ad people. By the way, you can't actually pull this ad because it's for a statewide office holder. It's a political ad and federal uh, campaign communication law. Uh, the FCC, you're not allowed to take down an ad from a statewide candidate for office or a federal candidate. You can't do it. So they, they can't yank the political advertisement. Um, and it's just hilarious. The, the left is actually generally, genuinely really upset with this Brian Kemp advertisement. And all they're doing in their outrage over this ad is they're getting it more attention. And, you know, you, you got to feel somewhat bad for the other candidates in the race, some of them spending a lot of money and not getting the traction that this one goofy ad is getting for Brian Kemp. By the way, I hope that Jake, the boy in there, that really does, like, he, he's he's dating Brian's daughter because that would be something to, to star in an advertisement with a potential future governor and then not actually go out with the daughter. <laughs> Nonetheless, I was just thinking about that. Sorry, that thought just popped in my head. Poor Jake. Um, nonetheless, I just the outrage over this that people can't watch this ad. They actually think he's pointing the gun at the kid. And if you watch the end of the ad, he's not pointing a gun at anybody. It's it's kind of off. It's the camera angle that, if anything, makes it look like he's pointing the gun at the kid. But you can very clearly see. It's just it is such a ridiculous story. But. I guess it's good for Kemp and bad for, for Hill, Williams, and Tippins. Um, he's going to get into the runoff. And man, it, it's it, it, a thought on that real quick. I hesitate to to say anything like this because I, I don't want it to be read as an endorsement. I don't want to be read as, as disparaging another candidate. I, I think it's just a statement of fact. Uh, and I'm, I'm very sensitive on this issue because I, I like all the candidates and I can't decide who I'm going to vote for yet. I, I really can't. I'm actually, I haven't figured out who I'm going to vote for. So I, if anything, I feel like I'm in the shoes of the third of voters who haven't yet decided who they're voting for. Cause I, I don't know, but uh, I, I like these candidates tremendously who are running for governor. And I know, like I hear some people say, well, Brian Kemp's just not that smart. I, I actually think Brian Kemp's a very smart guy. Uh, he, he has run a, a very successful business for a number of years before becoming Secretary of State, a self-made man, really. And I, I think his people kind of get put off. He has he's, he comes across as, as country to a bunch of uh, elite people who aren't used to it. They, they go to their Chamber of Commerce meetings and don't encounter people from the local Chamber of Commerce or the Metro Chamber of Commerce. Um, I just I, I, I think the world of Brian Kemp. I do. Um, part of me also wonders, though, like the, cons like the conservatives in the House and the Senate are rallying to Hunter Hill. Uh, and I think it is safe to say that if, if you are really concerned about conservatives, that he's the guy, Hill is the guy you probably want to get into the runoff. And I was telling a friend of mine earlier today that part of me thinks if we have a, a Casey Bryan runoff, that it's going to be really, really, really just, I mean, throat cutting bad. I mean, they're going to go after each other. Remember, uh, Casey Cagle went through the Ralph Reed race. Uh, th that was a nasty, nasty race. And I just think it, the AGC polls suggested it'd be uh, Hunter Hill or Brian Kemp would get into the runoff. Uh, and I do wonder if, if Hill gets in because it would be so much less expected, uh, there would be so much less there. He doesn't have a statewide record to run on that, that we might get that debate of ideas within the Republican Party that we probably need to have that. I get that sense that that's one reason so many conservatives in the House and Senate are backing Hunter Hill 
is because they, they want to fight on these conservative issues that they feel like Cagle and, and Ralston and Deal have not lived up to their promises of being the conservatives they claim to be, and that Hill is the guy to, to, to make that fight. They don't see Brian Kemp as the guy to make that fight. And so I, I totally get why conservatives are rallying to Hunter Hill and trying to get him in. But I look at this ad from Brian Kemp that's getting him attention, and I'm thinking, man, He's going to get into the runoff because, I mean, he's he's liberals are like having to seek shelter and, and phys- mental therapy because they've seen this ad of his. And that's just going to score him huge, huge points among gun voters. It's a smart ad. And he's been very, very smart to save his money for the end of the campaign. And he is just he's a good guy. I mean, I like all of them. I, I think all the candidates are, are good, but it's going to be tough to try to figure out who to vote for. It is 55 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So the president's former bodyguard and lawyer, I think it was Michael Cohen, they raided his doctor's office in New York. Not not Ronnie Jackson, the president's doctor, but Trump's personal doctor, the kooky guy in New York City who apparently had apparently publicly said that Donald Trump takes Propecia, the hair loss drug, or had in the past taken it. And after saying that publicly, they showed up and took all of the president's records. He claims it was a raid. It was actually the president's lawyer and friend showing up to claim all of his medical records and get them out of the office of a doctor who violated doctor-patient confidentiality. And yet the media is trying to make this into a, a massive story. I, I don't understand why. I mean, it is everywhere this afternoon that the president's uh, lawyer and bodyguards stormed the doctor's office as if it was some bad thing. No, the bad thing was that the doctor violated um, doctor-patient confidentiality. Now, the White House says, and the White House is right, that it has been the policy of preceding administrations to round up all of the president's medical records and house them in the office of the White House doctor. The other doctors for Bush, for Clinton, for Obama, for the other Bush, for Reagan, they all did this. Uh, And so this is not out of bounds at all to happen. There is no scandal here. Uh, This is standard operating procedure. It should have happened a long time ago, and it's about time it happened. That guy just seems a little kooky to begin with. Now, Let's shift gears when we come back. Uh, Planned Parenthood, is it going to get cut in funding? Trump says so. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. You are forewarned that my brilliant call screener Buffy is not here this evening. So my producer Charlie is answering phones and God have mercy on your soul trying to get through. Uh, He'll appreciate that. I I await his nasty text message to me. Now, before I get into everything else I want to discuss, there is news you might not have heard, and I just want to mention it because it's Georgia-related. Ironically, I'm reading this in the New York Post. Authorities in Georgia 
are investigating allegations that sorority sisters participated in a, um, well, a ring to cover membership fees, a um, adult pleasure. I just, I don't want to get into the detail. Yes, we need to talk about the story, but I don't want to get into all the details. Essentially, Fort Valley State University confirmed a criminal probe was opening following accusations that a former Alpha Kappa Alpha advisor pimped out newly initiated members. Uh, WSB TV is actually the one who broke the story upstairs. So why am I reading this in the New York Post? Well, a buddy of mine sent me a link to the New York Post story, not to the WSB story. Alicia Johnson, the employee at the center of the scandal, reportedly resigned from her job as the historically black university special events director and administrator in an April 18th letter. She has not been charged on arrested on charge or charged in the criminal investigation. Um, so her lawyer says she's not guilty, told WSB TV that, uh, the lawyer slammed the allegations, uh, that AKA sisters were lured into prostitution. Um, I have, there is a rumor circulating that there might be a couple of politicians names to come out. Uh, in this whole sordid business. So stay tuned for that as people start leaking. Uh, I have no idea. I'm just just relaying the gossip, I guess. Maybe I shouldn't because gossiping is bad. Now, here's something else completely unrelated to that. The president is weighing cutting Title X uh, money that is given to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood gets money from the federal government. The president is asking uh, the Department of Health and Human Services to investigate whether or not he can cut the funding. One of the president's concerns is the concern I have raised here, and that is that, well, Planned Parenthood is spending 30-some-odd million dollars to defeat Republicans this year. So why do they need money from the federal government? Now, I realize liberals out there, the progressive movement, will say that, well, the federal government money isn't used for campaign activities. The federal government money isn't even used for abortions. It's used for other things. But y'all, money is fungible. If I give you $100, that then frees up $100 of your own personal money to, to go wild with. So if I give you 100 bucks. Uh, you can go out and, and you can buy that, that fancy bottle of bourbon I've been recommending. Go with Jefferson Reserve. It's good. You can uh, go to a movie and, and get the big box of popcorn. Whatever you want. My Lord, y'all, I took the kids to see the Avengers in IMAX, not even the 3D one. And um, it was like 40 bucks for the three of us and then another $38 for the snacks. It was crazy. Nonetheless, if I give you $100, then you can use your own $100 for something else. And that's the thing with the federal government giving Planned Parenthood money. By giving Planned Parenthood money to pay for uh, whatever else it does, to pay for giving prophylactics to, to college kids, it then frees up Planned Parenthood's own money to pay for abortions and defeating Republicans. So why give them the money to begin with? It has never made any sense. It makes less and less sense. Uh, and this is good for the president to try to cut that money. Good for him. Now, I'm pivoting because I got a stack of stuff that I want to talk about today. Um, the president is delaying implementation of his tariffs uh, for Europe, Canada, and Mexico. And... These are the, the aluminum and steel tariffs he was imposing a couple of months ago. And thus far, 
While he's made a big stink about imposing the tariffs, uh, with the exception of some involving China, we're not seeing a lot of the tariffs being imposed yet. It's like he wants them, but he doesn't want to implement them, and he probably doesn't want to implement them because he has people like Larry Kudlow and others now uh, breathing down his neck saying this is a bad idea, and they're right. This is a bad idea. The tariffs will be economically harmful to the country. Uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, by the way, Apple apparently had another uh, just amazing earnings report. They're increasing their dividend. They're buying back stock. Uh, they had another record quarter. Um, I guess I should disclose I'm an Apple stockholder, and it is solely because I am totally inside the cult of Apple. I mean, I am I am right now doing my show with a uh, MacBook Pro connected. I've got my iPhone and my iPad out. Behind me is an iMac. I am I am in the cult. And I make no apologies for it. And I wish my a certain producer for a certain radio show would also join the cult, at least with his cell phone, so I can I message him instead of the stupid SMS and coordinate stuff. But no, he's too good for it. He's got to have a crummy Samsung phone, but that's another story altogether. All I will say is that Tim Cook went to the White House to meet with the president to discuss his tariffs. Why? Because the cost of an iPhone is going to skyrocket if all these tariffs go into effect. Now, why? Because the aluminum and steel tariffs impact significantly technology companies, many of which actually produce their their individual commoditized parts in the United States and then ship them to China where they are put together. And when they come back to the country, they're treated as an import, even though they originated in many cases inside the United States. Much of the iPhone um, is, originates inside the United States. The glass from Corning, uh, the chips and whatnot, a lot of that stuff is built here, but then it's shipped to China and all pieced together, the circuit boards, the cameras and everything else, because the cost of labor and whatnot is so much cheaper over there. And so then when it comes back to the country as a whole product, it's taxed as an import and will be negatively impacted by the tariffs as a result of it. And so Tim Cook is trying to get the president to stand down on the tariffs. Others, Larry Kudlow, his new economic advisor, is also desperate for the president to not actually go forward with the tariffs for the very same reason that he believes it'll cause an economic meltdown. Uh, a lot of the president's advisors have been privately advising him that the economy economy is doing so well right now, it's starting to get overheated. And when it overheats, you can start having bits and pieces break down. Uh, one of the things that the president's advisors are having to pay attention to is a growing labor shortage. Nebraska, for example, there is one city in Nebraska. It's not Omaha. Maybe it's Lincoln. I can't remember. Um, any of it. One of the, the cities in Nebraska is offering people $10,000 to move there because they're having a labor shortage. They cannot find people to take up jobs in this city. And so they will pay you $10,000 to move there. We are starting to see a labor shortage. And with the labor shortage, um, you're going to start seeing salaries rise to try to attract people away from current employers. As the salaries rise, the price of goods and services will begin to rise to offset the cost of the salary increases. That will cause an inflationary event, which will cause the Federal Reserve to take steps, which will cause a cyclical effect and could potentially harm the economy. They're trying to tell the president that if you do the tariffs, you could set off a chain reaction in the economy that's not good. 
And so the president has delayed these tariffs with uh, with Canada, Mexico, and Europe because, by and large, they are actually our three biggest uh, trading partners when it comes to aluminum and steel. They're also huge importers of American products, so you would really have a major trade war if these tariffs went into effect. Canada, Mexico, and the U- EU are already signaling they would fight back if the tariffs went into effect. And Larry Kudlow's point to the president is that you you really, we're in an economic position right now where we can't have this happen without it really hurting the American economy. Things will spiral out of control. And thus far, the president, thankfully, is listening to his advisors. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I have been using it for a while. Uh, The truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enamel in your teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. You can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5 including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week I think uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, But yet when they sent me the new brush head, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. Have y'all seen the story about the girl with the prom dress in Utah? I mentioned it a little while ago, but the whole thing is infuriating. The, The young lady in Utah... She wore a beautiful dress, lovely young lady, wore this dress, quite quite proud of it, and she's getting savaged online by people for cultural appropriation of a dress. It's just garbage nonsense, but it's where we're at these days with the left. It's 38 after the hour. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. 
I'm only dealing loosely with the the basic story here, but a, a young lady in Utah wore a red dress to prom that was of Asian styling. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. Uh, it was a beautiful dress. She is a very lovely young lady. Uh, there is one uh, group shot uh, where several other girls all dress similarly, uh, have their hands in, in a meditation pose, and some person on Twitter who literally has less than a 1,000 followers at the time tweeted out uh, that, uh, my culture is not your dress and some profanities and got 20, 30,000 retweets. The whole thing went explosively viral that this guy was bashing this girl for cultural appropriation. Now, for those of you do, who don't know what cultural appropriation is, it is what you and I do every day. If you if you go eat Mexican for lunch and you're white, you have culturally appropriated Mexican culture. And that's apparently bad, according to dumb college kids. If you go to Taco Bell, well, that's cultural appropriation. My goodness, Outback Steakhouse is the worst cultural appropriation because it's not even all that good other than the Bloomin' Onion. I mean, it is total Australian cultural appropriation. Shame on you. Uh, American Chinese food, it's all culture. Everything is cultural appropriation. You know, the great thing about this country in the past has been that this country... Uh, wove into the fabric of its society all of the cultures that made up this country from many come one, e pluribus unum. We were a melting pot, not a salad bowl. Everything was blended together, and we got a, a more unified, stronger culture. And now you've got liberals out there who think this is a bad thing, that all of our culture should be distinct, and it's nonsense. Um, I, I believe the kid who was tweeting uh, is Asian, and he, I mean, that's why he's offended by culture, and yet he was typing in English. Talk about cultural appropriation, an Asian kid is using my language. I mean, the whole thing is nonsense. And yet this is what liberals get worked up about. I mean, let's go full circle to the beginning of the show today. You have liberals in Georgia who are demanding TV stations take Brian Kemp's gun ad off TV because it scares them. We are a weak people. And I mean that generally, not specifically. I'm not talking about you. I mean, this is a, a nonsensical thing to have to talk about, and yet we have to talk about it. But there's a larger point here. Why is this a story? Shut up, Fred. My buddy Fred say my language is Swedish. Only half of me. The other half, well, I guess is French because we're from South Louisiana. Okay, never mind. Maybe you have a point. Nonetheless, why are we even talking about the story? Because the media made it a story. No one would know that this this internet troll tweeted about culturally appropriating his culture by this dress without the media turning it into a story. And why did the media turn it into a story? Because they wanted clicks. And how did they decide to get their clicks? Through selling outrage. That's what all of this is about. And it's what so much of the media in general is about. Take the story today of the president's bodyguard and lawyer raiding, I'm using air quotes, the president's doctor's office to take the president's medical records. The entire story is designed to generate outrage on the left. And that's how businesses are driving traffic. That's how news organizations are driving traffic. That's how so many people are driving traffic. By 
packaging your outrage as a news story to monetize your outrage through clicking on websites. See, the media stories running the story of this dress, they didn't care whether you agreed it was cultural appropriation or thought cultural appropriation is nonsensical BS, which it is. All they cared about is that you were sufficiently eye-rolled, face-palmed, outraged by the story that you clicked through to get the details. And so a girl in Utah is getting bullied by people nationwide because the media, which routinely runs these sob stories about bullying across America, needed this girl to be bullied to generate revenue for them. And that is perhaps the worst indictment of the current American click-driven media culture in the need for ad revenue. Now, other outrage. Um, Let's go back to the Infinity War movie. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to give a spoiler here. It's not going to be a deep spoiler, but it's a spoiler. Three, two, one. A lot of people die in this movie. A lot of people die in this movie. I'm not going to tell you who dies in this movie, but a lot of people die in this movie. Characters you think will not die in this movie die in this movie. And now this is not a spoiler. You just haven't probably heard about it if you haven't been paying attention. But some of the characters who die in this movie, there are movies coming out starring these characters in the next couple of years with the actors who play the characters in the current movie where they died, they play the characters. So you can do the math and guess where the sequel to this movie heads next year with some of these characters being resurrected. I mean, for Pete's sake, Nick Fury's already been killed off, and yet we saw he didn't actually die. So it can happen. There are a couple of them who you can tell there are real deaths in this movie too. And those characters, they're not going to be coming back. Uh, Some of them quite popular characters too, I might add. Uh, and they won't be very clearly, by the way, they're, they're killed off. They're not coming back, but nonetheless, others, others will. And there is outrage today of all things that this whole movie is fake, that people are stupid for watching it because all of these deaths are contrived and, and no one respects death and they should keep these people dead and on and on and on. And then they point out, for example, that, uh, one of the characters who dies is well, the black and limits the number of of African-American superheroes due to the death. And so there's outrage about that. Why'd they choose that character to kill off? And all of these things are designed to get traffic. I don't think very many of the people, now some of them do, but very many of the people who are outraged about these things, they're only generating the outrage to try to get you to click on the story to generate ad revenue for them, which is one reason I run ad blockers on my computer. And I subscribe to news outlets that I respect, even if I don't necessarily agree with them. Like, for example, for show prep purposes, I do subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. I don't agree with their reporting a lot of times. I do think there's a liberal bias, definitely on the editorial pages. But they churn out stuff that is is worth talking about. They churn out stuff that we have to talk about because they're the big news stories of the day. And I am fascinated by their analyses. It's, it's good to find out what liberals think sometimes, if they think at all, at least to get their points on stuff. 
And I would rather subscribe to places than, than have these places generate these, these BS, clickbait, outrage stories over nonsensical topics. And so much of the media has become that. And it has everything to do with the media being unable and unwilling to come to terms with the fact uh, that the economy has changed. We're not in an industrial economy anymore. We are in a digital economy, and they can't adapt. And so they're grasping at straws, and one of the straws they've grasped at is this whole nonsense that you got to click through through outrage to generate revenue for them through clickbait stuff. It's one reason I support a subscriber model for some of these big sites so that they can be economically proficient enough that they don't feel like they have to uh, stoke my emotions through clickbait to try to generate stories. So much of the reason we are a divided country these days is both sides generating clickbaity stories, playing to our biases and prejudices, getting us to be mad at the other side, and it's not healthy. I, I've spoken just a little bit on the show in the last week about the Kanye West Thing, and he's still making news. Did you all know he has an album coming out? I mean, do you, do you really think that he's going to continue to be saying the things he's saying about the president and whatnot after uh, the album is out? He's just, I think, trying to promote it. What I think is also interesting is how a number of celebrities, I saw a report over the weekend, how a number of celebrities unfollowed him on Twitter after he praised the president. And it, twofold one how no one in this country particularly celebrities in this country i should say can handle dissent but two how particularly people on the right these days are always in search of a celebrity to grab hold of and claim he's theirs um i, I don't know why people feel the need to claim a celebrity as theirs, particularly on the right um, I just, I, I like people's bodies of work. I don't necessarily care for them. And, and Kanye West seems to me to be just a, an unhinged attention getter. And that's what he's doing here. 